This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. Hey, it's brilliant to be here. Uh, really great to see some of our old friends. So, uh, from Teesside. Look, if I say, if I name call you, you could at least shout out from Teesside. Yeah, the two of you said yeah. Right? The church we planted about 20 years ago. And uh, from Christ Central Manchester. Yeah. And uh, from the church we're now part of, which is Sheffield. Yeah, uh, a little bit more polite from Sheffield, nicely. So it's great to see you. Wherever you're from, you are so welcome. Uh, I was going to speak on something different this morning, but this often happens to me. God wakes me up in the morning. Well, I don't know if God wakes me up. I think I just wake up anyway. But God wakes me up in the morning and speaks to me to do something different. So I'm going to do something slightly different this morning than I was going to do. Uh, but hopefully you'll feel it's God, and hopefully God is speaking. I want to speak to you about you being prepared by God, a little bit like an arrow is prepared. Now, there's, a, there's some verses in the Bible, which God spoke to me a few years ago, in Isaiah chapter 49. I'm just going to read them, and these verses, they're like part of our family history as New Frontiers. So when Terry Virgo, who's the father of New Frontiers first wanted a name for the movement that we now call Christ Central, that is part of New Frontiers. Does anyone know, some of you, you'll have to ask your parents or even your grandparents, does anyone know what the original name of New Frontiers was before it was called New Frontiers? It was changed to New Frontiers in 1987, but going back before that, for about 10 years, it was known as something else. Does anyone know? It's interesting, isn't it? We don't know our family history well. Does anybody know? No? Before that, it was called Coastlands. Now, because out of these verses, in Isaiah chapter 49, it says this. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. And in the old version, it says Coastlands. So it's like the ends of the earth. So Isaiah is speaking to the ends of the earth. And if you could talk to Isaiah, who was probably speaking in kind of the Middle East, Babylon, kind of what we call Iraq today, he probably would think Teesside is like the ends of the earth. Certainly Sheffield and Manchester and Blackpool and Bradford and all these places where we're from. We're like the ends of the earth to them. And he's speaking to the ends of the earth. He's speaking to you. And this is what he says... Before, this is God speaking through Isaiah, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he's made mention of my name. He's hidden me in the shadow of his hand and he's made me like a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. And what I felt God speak to me for you is that you are being prepared as young people like arrows. I want to go back... 40 years ago, in fact, more than 40 years ago, when I was your age, uh, there was a prophecy. Now, who, who knows what a prophecy is? So who could define? Just somebody tell me what a prophecy is. Somebody. Come on. Brilliant. So it's a, it's a picture of the future, something in the future probably, that comes from God. It's God speaking about something that's going to happen. Maybe something in your life, it may be something from your church. And we had a prophet in our church in Hastings. Anyone know where Hastings is on the Battle of Hastings, all that? Remember that from your school history? And we had a prophecy that God was going to prepare young men and young women, and I was kind of your age at this time, and He was going to send us out like arrows to the nations. The amazing thing is, just in the last three months, Anne and I have been in Canada, we've been in Zambia, we've been in Ghana. So, God's word comes true. Young people, I'm not so young now, but young people from Hastings really have gone to the nations. And I want to prophesy over you guys from God that actually God's going to call many of you to be prepared like arrows to be sent out. Now, another prophecy that came from New Frontiers, again, this was from Terry Virgo, who fathered New Frontiers, started New Frontiers, started what we call Coastlands, then New Frontiers, and this was of a bow and an arrow. Does anyone, anyone heard that prophecy before? 
the bow and the arrow prophecy. Yeah, what two or three hands went up. Again, this is our family history. It's good. It's like when your grandpa or your grandma or auntie or uncle tell you, oh, you, you need to know about our family history. You guys need to know a bit of our family history. There was this prophetic word of a bow, like a bow and an arrow. You remember like Robin Hood's kind of bow and arrow? When I was a kid, when I was your age, I lived in a little village in Sussex in uh, just outside Hastings, and I used to go into the woods and make my own bows and arrows. You know, go and pinch the string from my mum's drawer and go and find a big stick and bend it round on a bow and like, make this arrow. And it was so pathetic. I used to like Robin Hood at the time. It was so pathetic. You know, this is before Star Wars or anything like that. This is Robin Hood. This our, our equivalent of a lightsaber was a bow and arrow. And we kind of pulled this thing back, and instead of going like, and hitting a target, it went, like that, because it wasn't very well made. But God spoke to us as New Frontiers about 20 years ago and said, and some of your churches are only in existence because of this prophetic word. So there was very few New Frontiers churches in the north of the UK, and north of England, probably two or three. And God spoke through Terry that there's going to be like a bow and an arrow superimposed across the UK. The bow was like superimposed across the southern part of the UK, and it was pulled right back up into the north. And when that happened, when the north was strengthened, when the the bow was pulled right back up into the north, arrows would be fired from the north all the way over the nations. And again, I believe that's happening, but I believe you're another wave of arrows being prepared in our churches. So what does it say in this passage? It says this. It says, before... I formed you in the womb, the Lord called me. So, I don't know if you call yourself a Christian. Hopefully you would. Or hopefully by the end of this weekend, you're going to say, yeah, I am a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm following Jesus. I'm, I'm putting him first in my life. I believe he died for me to set me free and to cleanse me, but also to equip me to live for him. I'm following Jesus now in my life. I, I'm a Christian. But let me ask you, when did God call you? For me, I could say when I was eight years old, I became a Christian, like I said this morning. But actually, this passage says something else. It says, from before I was born. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe that before you were born, God knew your name? God knew the womb to put you in. He knew the parents to give to you. He knew the town, the city, the village the nation for you to be born in. He knew the physical frame that he was going to give to you. He knew the intelligence. He knew the aspirations. He knew you. He knew who you were before you were even born. That's what the Bible says. Jeremiah, who's another one of these mighty prophets that we were talking about, Jeremiah says this, before I fall, God says through Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and set you apart as a prophet for the nations. That's incredible, isn't it? Just think about it for a moment. Before you were actually born, you know, I always used to think as a child, like, it was weird to think of time existing without me, you know, because like, I'm the centre of the universe, of course, as a child, that's what you think. And you think, there was a time when I wasn't born, that's, where was I? Well, I'll tell you where you were. Biologically, you were probably some cell in your parents' parts. <laughs> we won't go there. But spiritually... You existed in the heart of God. God knew your name. God chose you. God wanted you. In fact, Paul, the apostle, when he writes the New Testament, he says something even more amazing. He says this, before the creation of the world, he called you and chose you. So what was God doing before he created time and space? Well, who knows? But the Bible does say, we know one thing God was doing. He was choosing and calling you. And therefore, the first point is this. I want you to be really secure in your calling. I want you to know that you're not here because you've got Christian parents or Christian grandparents. You're not here because a friend has invited you along. You have a friend who's a Christian. You're not here because you just go along to that kind of sort of okay church that's a little bit trendier than one or two others and okay. No, you're here because God has chosen you. God has called you. And the picture is of an arrow maker... A Fletcher is the actual, nobody, and nobody called, no one's surname here is Fletcher, is it? No? You? Is your surname Fletcher? Do you know what that means? 
arrow maker. That's amazing. No one, I, I've never met a Fletcher before. That's good. There. So a Fletcher is an arrow maker, and the Fletcher deliberately chooses. Like I was a kid, I deliberately chose a stick to make of an arrow, pretty pathetic one, but God has chosen you to be his arrow, and God doesn't make mistakes. I made loads of mistakes. I, pr- I picked pretty poor sticks. God doesn't pick poor sticks. He picks the sticks that he wants to shape and to change and to mould into his arrow. Now, We're going to talk in a moment. There's lots of moulding and shaping and changing that God does. But you need to know God has called you and chosen you from birth. And therefore, we want you to be really secure in what we call the grace of God. God's calling and God's choosing. So I've asked Anne to come and tell her story into this. Turn the other way. Thank you. A verse in Scripture that... I count as being very personal to me, and I'm sure you may have verses in Scripture that mean a lot to you. And the one that one of the verses that I hold dear is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And the reason for that is that when Jeremy and I were first married 35 years ago, um, he was soon to become an elder in our church in Hastings, and... It was a long time ago, and in those days, um, how do I put this diplomatically? There was an expectation, us ladies who are married to elders in the church, to behave in a certain way. You need to know that, well, some of you already know this, because I think I've mentioned this before here, I was a PE teacher, and therefore PE teachers are not exactly the quietest people in the world. We tend to be quite lively, very loud, cheeky people and like having fun. And really my second name is probably is fun. Um, I just enjoy life. I enjoy having a laugh, making jokes and having fun with other folks around me. But this didn't really fit in with the criteria of me being married to Jeremy and being is called an elder's wife, but it doesn't exist. That, that title doesn't exist in Scripture. There's no such thing as an elder's wife. We have elders, elders who are married to wonderful ladies. Okay, if any of you fancy being married to an elder, then it's not a, a bad thing to do and desire because we have a wonderful life, Jeremy and I. But it was soon after many years of being put into a box, being told how to behave, what I should be doing. And it really was squeezing me and pushing me down and just making me realize, well, who am I? What am I supposed to do? And I was being controlled by those, rather than being, by the grace of God, I am what I am and who God's created me to be. And I heard somebody speak on that verse and in one sense it was just life-changing realizing that God's created me totally unique. God's created you totally unique with your own characters, your own personalities. A lot of learning and mistakes along the way, which I have made many, many blunders, said wrong things, done wrong things. But I know the grace of God is there to forgive me and mold me and change me. And God is still doing that in my life. And I think I always want to just share that with you. Don't think you have to conform or be like someone else, in, whether it's a leader or one of your peer group. You don't have to be. It's what has God called you to be like? What's the character and personality that he has given you? And then with regard to being sent like arrows, where is God calling you? Where is he going to be sending you? And I think I just want to share a scripture that spoke a lot to me also. And it's about Sarah and Abraham. And you know the story of Sarah and Abraham being sent off on a journey and leaving their home and their family, uh, well, not their, and all their relations, all their friends. And God said, leave your country and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. 
God wants you to bless others. He wants to bless you, and as he blesses you, you'll bless others. But in the commentary for that scripture, it says here, which I find very helpful, and has helped us, so Jeremy and I, with the way we've stepped out of the security of our comfort. It says here, don't let the comfort and security of your mission make you miss God's plan for you. And I want you to just take that on board You don't know where God's going to send you, where he's going to call you to. And we in the first world have very comfortable lives with everything we have, our tablets, all the IT stuff, technology. Life is comfortable. Life is fun at home here in the UK. But God is going to send some of you to places that are going to be hard. There's going to be sacrifices going to be made. But if it's in God's will, then it's the greatest adventure and it will fit into everything God has for you. So, God is shaping you individually like an arrow. There's some very tall arrows here. There's some shorter, chunkier arrows, a little bit like me. None of you, of course, but a little bit like me. I'm a bit of a chunky arrow. But God's made you to be you. And I think one of the problems of our day is that we compare ourselves constantly with others. If only I looked like her, or only I looked like him, if only I had his ability, his academic, or his athletic, or her looks, or her singing ability, or whatever, then, then God would use me. No, God has shaped you from eternity past. He's chosen you from before the creation of the world, and he is making you into the arrow that he wants. And some of you are going to be fired literally all over the world, and some of you are just going to be fired down or the next village into your vocation, into your calling, into your career, into your choice, into a new family, into new settings. Over the next 10, 15 years, most of you probably won't be living in the house and the town that you're living in now. You'll be off to university, you'll be going to a job, some of you will be getting married, some of you will be going church planting, and I want you to know God has that in plan for you. He has things in mind for you. He has places for you to go. You are being prepared like an arrow to be sent out by God. Now, God's shaping you. I want to tell you another story. It's a slightly different analogy. But when we go through trials and difficulties and problems, and we encountering relational problems, problems at school, some of you will be looking forward to next week when you go back or week after. Some of you will be dreading it. Some of you are excited, some, and some of you have family problems at home. Some of you have delightful families. Some of you have difficult families. Some of you have difficult siblings. Some of you have physical issues, some health issues. Some of you have uh, some issues of mental health that are difficult and you're struggling with. You've never told some people, but God knows. And actually, it's through difficulties that God shapes you. It talks about this arrow being polished, and that sounds lovely. Oh, polish the arrow, lovely. Now, actually, it talks about the arrow being stripped down. It talks about the arrow, everything that's not right of the arrow being cut off, which is all the bendy bits of it being made straight and fit for purpose. And God does that through difficulties. He does that through trials. Now, I want to tell you this story. Most of you, well, all of you are too old to remember, but you ask your parents, and if they're from the south, anyone got southern parents here? See, lots of us have southern parents. Ask them about the great storm of 87. In the north, it was like, get your big coat on. But in the south, it was like a hurricane. It it was the great storm of 87. And it it blew through our town. Our town's called Hastings, as I said. It blew through our town. And we have a lovely park in Hastings. In fact, just up the road, there's a town called Seven Oaks. And it's called Seven Oaks. Anyone can guess why it's called Seven Oaks. But you're brilliant top of the class because it has seven oaks it became one oaks overnight because six of the oaks went down in our in our town in Hastings we have a a place called Alexandra Park which is like a a beautiful specimen park where they've collected trees from all over the world and these trees like I used to it's a lovely fertile little valley it's a lovely little place in Hastings it's it's sheltered it's beautiful these trees have grown lovely and beautiful when the great storm of 87 blew through every single one of those big trees went down like nine pins and there's photos Anne and I've got photos of us in our 20s like seeing on these great big trees the giant redwood trees pines and firs and oaks just sitting on we look like tiny little figures sitting on these big trees all fell down now just go out a little bit further on the Sussex coast. It's a place called Romney Marsh. I don't suppose anyone's ever heard of Romney Marsh. But 
I no one's from Romney Marshall. I'm just about to offend it. Is your hands going up? No, it's not. I, was like, I thought you were from Romney Marsh. No, that's right. <laughs> no, Romney Marsh is so bleak, when they built a nuclear power station, nobody complained. They thought it actually improved the view. That's absolutely true. So Romney Marsh has a big power station, Dungeness, and Romney Marsh has all these trees that don't look that exciting. And they're a bit gnarled, and they kind of, with the prevailing wind... Because actually, Romney Marsh faces the southwest. It faces the prevailing winds all the time. So in Hastings, Alexandra Park had never known winds blow through. When a trouble came, the whole trees went down. Romney Marsh, these trees faced the prevailing winds all the time. Guess how many of those trees went down? None of them. Not a single one. Why? Because they learned in trials and difficulties and in winds and in adversity to put their roots down. What happens is this, when you go through trials and troubles, you think, oh God, I wish it was just a sunny day. I mean, I wish it really was a sunny day, but I wish it was just a sunny day and I wish it was all nice and everything was good and happening and happy for me. No, God allows difficulties in your life to shape you and to put your roots deep down into God. And some of you need to know that this morning. God's shaping you and he's shaping you like an arrow. Now, the last thing that a Fletcher, my friend here, whose ancestors did. They plucked an arrow, they shaped an arrow, and the last thing they did, they oiled the arrow. And oil in the Bible always speaks about the Holy Spirit, the anointing oil of the Spirit that came on Jesus, that came on uh, prophets and kings of old. And God wants you to know that he wants your arrow to be oiled today. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit to oil it. Because if you oil an arrow, it makes it pliable and supple and not brittle. Probably some of my arrows I put in my pathetic bow and arrow, they would snap when I pulled them back because they weren't oiled, they weren't supple. And actually, if you get a supple arrow that's oiled, it'll, it'll not go, it'll go and hit the target. And my last point is this. God puts you in his quiver. It says in that passage, he puts the arrow in a quiver. He hides you away. You think, I'm ready to go. I could go right now. I could go to the nations. I'm, you know, I could send me and my family. We could go. No, actually, God's preparing you over many years. And some of you feel a little bit forgotten. You feel a little bit hidden away. You feel hidden away in a church, in a small place. You feel hidden away in a small group. You feel hidden away in that school. God has got his hand on you. He's put you in his quiver. He's made you. He's prepared you. He's called you. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. And one day, it might be five years' time. It might be 10 years' time. It might be 20 years' time. One day, God will get hold of you. He'll put you into his bow. And very quickly, he'll fire you into new things. And I want to prophesy and say, God has places for you guys to go. He has towns and cities and nations for some of you to go to. He has careers and vocations for some of you to give your lives to, not just to make money and to be rich and famous, which is kind of the today. Ask any young person, what do you want to be? Rich and famous. Why? Just so I can be rich and famous. No, actually, God wants you to have significance in your life. He wants to give you gifts in order for you to make a difference in other people's lives, like Anne was saying. It may be in the medical field, it may be in social care, it may be working with children or the elderly, it may be working in, in uh, justice or uh, in righteous things, it might be working in industry or being a businessman or a businesswoman. It might, God wants to equip you guys for something that's going to make a kingdom impact, that you change people's lives. And young people like you are called by God to be sent by God into situations where you're going to change God. Just think about Joseph. He was your age when he was betrayed by his brothers. He went to a very dark place, slavery. He was lied about by his employer. He was in prison. And when he was in prison, he was even forgotten about. Do you remember the butler and the baker come to Joseph? And they say, we have a dream. And he interprets their dream. Bad news for the baker. Good news for the butler. Butler gets reinstated. And Joseph says to him, one thing I ask you, butler, will you remember me when you get your job back? And of course he's going to remember it. The next verse of the Bible says, and he forgot. And Joseph must have felt forgotten in prison over until the day when God wanted to fire him onto the world stage. 
And there's going to come a day in your life when all the preparation, all the hiddenness, all the stuff that God's been doing in secret with you, he's actually going to get hold of you and take you and fire you into palaces and fire you into jobs and put you into new locations, put you into nations. And what we want to do today as we come to an end of this meeting, before we have our Q&A, we just want to pray for you. And this is my gut feeling. And I could be wrong, but I'm usually right. I think there are quite a lot of you who have a sense of a call of God. It might be to a particular, voc- particular career, which is, again, not just to make money, it's to be, have impact for God. Some of you here are called to be church planters. Some of you here, like Anne said, are called to be church leaders. And by the way, leaders are both men and women. There are male roles of leadership, which include eldership, but there are many female roles of leadership in the Bible. I believe things like apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists can be men and women together. So eldership is one role, and that's good to be an elder of a church. I've been one for many years, not now. But actually, there are many other roles of leadership that God is calling you as men and women into. And my guess is that some of you are sensing that call. Some of you just wish I would stop talking. But some of you are sensing, actually, I feel called. And right at the beginning, don't leave this to the end of Amplify. Right at the beginning, why don't you say, actually, you haven't got to tell me what it is because you deal business with God. But right now, I'm just going to pray. And I believe God's going to keep speaking and keep talking to you. Some of you had dreams. Some of you have had conversations with leaders in the past. You know what it is that God's called you to do. And we just want to pray for you today. So if that's you, I'm going to do something really bold and brave. When I became a Christian, I had to kind of identify myself publicly. In other times of my life, when I felt a calling... Anne and I first felt a calling to church planting in 1990 when a guy called Chari- uh, Kriansak, Chariang Wonsak, sir, came from Thailand and preached at the Brighton Conference. And he called people up for church planting. And Anne and I found ourselves literally walking to the front and thinking, what are we doing? We're going church planting. And we did. But we had to identify publicly to say, yeah, God's calling me. I just want to say, if you feel the hand of God on you, the calling of God for a particular career, vocation, a particular nation, a church plant or leadership, why don't you just raise, just wave at me. I think there's going to be lots of you who feel that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, we're going to have to be even braver now. Please, would you stand, if that's you, because I just want to pray for you. And there's just opportunity for others right now. If there are others in this room who you just feel... There's a nation on my heart. There's a town or a city. There's a vocation on my heart. Not just a career to make money, but a vocation to give my life to. Then you say, I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than just stand. Don't worry. We're just going to pray for you. But I just think there's a few others. Thank you, Hayley. There's just a few, few more. And sometimes I think when you're younger here, you feel, oh, I've got years to choose. But actually, God chose and calls younger people. I was eight. And uh, there's younger people here. Obviously, he wouldn't be here. But there are 11, 12, 13-year-olds that God's just calling, as well as some older people. I'm just going to wait one or two moments, not to embarrass anyone, but I know sometimes you've just got to wait for God to touch people. There's a few more who just need to stand and go, yeah, that's me. I'm called to church plant. I'm called to this career. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're a body, we're a family here. So what I'd love us to do is I'd love for, first of all, all the leaders here to go and stand with. And if you are a leader here, you keep standing if you're, if you're standing. But I'd love the leaders to go, first of all. To st- and then what I'd love, because there's not enough leaders, <laughs> some of your friends, some of your mates who you're comfortable with, who love you and know you, just to stand with you. And they can ask you later, hey, why are you standing? What's God doing with you? You could do that later. But I just want to make sure everyone's got at least a couple of people with them. So put your hand up until at least a couple of people come and stand with you. So we need some more people here, some more people with these guys here. Leaders, if you can help, just put some people with some other people. Last time we did Devoted, 
in this setting, there was a word of knowledge. That's God speaking something that we didn't know humanly, but God spoke prophetically about a young girl who was called to go to Africa. She was, at the time, 14 years old. 13 years old. Three weeks ago, Anne and I, with Abby and her dad, were in Zambia, fulfilling that prophetic word. God speaks to 13-year-old girls, and he speaks to you today. She's working with orphans, uh, called to work with a school that's being started in Africa. So I think God's putting his hand on a few more of you. One or two of you might want to just stand as well. There's some people called to Africa here. There's some people called to the Far East here. There's some people called to Latin America here. So let's just put, put your hands on, lay hands on these guys. Appropriately on their shoulders. <laughs> make sure, has everyone, leaders, can you just look around, make sure everyone's got somebody with them. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these young lives. I thank you so much for young girls and young men who say, I want to follow Jesus and that there's a call on my life. And we just want to identify now as the body of Christ, whether we're sitting or standing, there is a call on these young And we pray, Lord, that you'd shape them like arrows. I pray, Lord, that you'd send them to nations. You'd send them to vocations. You'd send them to church plant. You'd send them to be leaders wherever they are. Lord, you'd confirm this. I pray for many more prophetic words to come over this weekend, over Amplify. And we pray now in Jesus' name. I want you to just pray for one another. Just pray blessing on people. Just pray for them out loud. Just pray for a blessing. The rest of you, just ask God. God might be speaking to you. It might be right now he speaks a nation. It might be right now he speaks church planting. I just feel that the Lord would say to you, and those of you even still sitting down, he says to you, I will plant a seed for your future in your hearts. You may not know what that is yet, but I am, I am doing right at this very moment. And those of you who are standing, I think God would just say to you, I'm sending my Holy Spirit right now to water that seed. That seed is going to grow and grow. I think some of you, you're just going to ache for the nations that God's put on your hearts. I think you're just going to see how you can be used in the future with careers, vocations. Say, Holy Spirit, just come. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Water those seeds. Holy Spirit, sow seeds in the hearts of all the young people here. Come speak to them, even over this weekend. Encourage them, excite them, spur them on in their walk with you, Lord Jesus. Say, Holy Spirit, just come afresh. Come and water your chosen ones here this morning for the rest of this weekend. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Why don't we just sit down? Thank you so much for responding. And just to say, if you didn't respond, God still is on your case. God still loves you. He still has chosen you as much as he's chosen these other ones. And he still wants to speak to you this weekend and put his finger on your life and the call of God on your life. Great. So Jeremy and we had questions um, from you guys. And I should say as well, while I'm talking, while these guys are answering your questions... There's still a chance, anything, any questions you got about anything that was said today or not said today, um, please, the number's on the screen, just put it through, we'll come straight up to this phone um, and we'll try our best to get them all read up. We've got quite a few, quite a few of them, uh, Jeremy, and we're on how will I know if God is calling me? Specifically, practically, how will I know if he's speaking to me or not? Okay, first of all, God calls every Christian. So Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. So every one of us is chosen and called by Jesus. 
And part of our growing up in God is to find out what that call is. And Jesus' same passage, or that same um, cluster of passages in John, my sheep hear my voice. So you are all a sheep of Jesus, who's the good shepherd, and he speaks to his sheep. Now, he speaks through different ways. Sometimes it comes from a prophecy, God speaking out, and someone will prophesy over you like they did for my friend Abby, and she ended up in Africa out of this meeting two years ago. 13-year-old girl going to Africa. Now, obviously, she's going to complete her studies, but she's going to go and work with orphans and kids because of a prophetic word that came. What often happens with me is it's through reading the Bible and uh, Bible app. I use the Bible in one year, Nicky Gumbel and uh, the Alpha. Most of you probably heard of Alpha. The guy who wrote Alpha also has written this app called the Bible in one year. It takes you through the whole, it does what it says on the tin, takes you through the whole Bible in one year, Old Testament passage, uh, a psalm or a proverb and a New Testament passage with a little commentary on it and his little commentary on it. And I find that very helpful. I do that every day if I can. Sometimes I fall behind. Don't tell anyone, but I kind of catch up on holidays or whatever. And I find that often, more often than not, God speaks through scripture. He speaks through his word. And something comes alive inside. Do you know that feeling when, okay, I'll be very crude. How do you know when you need to go to the loo? Or how do you know when you're home? It's like your body tells you, yeah? It's like something, something is happening physically in you. And you think, oh, I didn't need to go to the loo five minutes ago, but now I do. It's like something... Something kind of happened, yeah, and you want to go to the loo now, I know. But, or suddenly I'm hungry, I wasn't hungry, or I'm thirsty, I wasn't thirsty before. But now, it's like something inside, biologically, is kind of like clicking and ticking and telling you, well, that's your body speaking to you. And my experience is God often speaks through my body. God often gives me a feeling inside of peace or comfort, joy, or, yeah, I just feel that's right from God. It's a feeling that comes. Uh, and I can't define it, but I know it's God speaking, and I know he's communicating. So, sometimes it's through prophecy, sometimes it's through the word of God, and sometimes it's just through a feeling I get. Now, with all of those, we can be gloriously right, or we can be gloriously wrong, because <laughs> sometimes we can have wrong feelings, we can misinterpret something, or we can hear something wrong. So I would always say, always check with your friends, those who tr- you trust, your leaders, those who are leading your youth and your uh, church. Look, I'm feeling this from God. Or I'm sensing this. Do you feel that's right? And actually, I think that's a very healthy, very good way of checking things together, getting confirmation from others, getting other people's wisdom in it. So Abby, who two years ago felt God speak to her in this setting, dad, and then her mum and dad spoke to me. And then we all got confirmation. Yeah, this is right. Abby should go to Africa. And we took her to Africa for a couple of weeks, and she'll give her life to that, I'm sure, in the future. So, that's how it happens. Prophetic, reading, through others. And the other thing is, like, through sermons, through things like this, somebody says something, and you go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's right. I feel that's good. And again, check it with others. So that's how God speaks to us. But God will speak to you uniquely, individually. Some of you will be spoken to through dreams, That's happened to me once in my life. Some of you will be spoken through audible voices. That's happened once in my life. But some of you will be spoken through to others. There's lots of different ways that God speaks. But I always check it with others to see if it resounds, if it it resonates with them. Great. So Anne or Jeremy, um, related to that, what is the hardest thing that you yourself has ever been called to? (laughs) I read you that scripture about being comfortable and secure where you are. We used to, before we, early on we lived on the south coast in Hastings and then Eastbourne, but then God called us to the northeast, to Teesside. And Teesside is a quite an industrial area, but with the most amazing countryside around it. And Christ Central Churches are mostly in the north, so you know what the countryside is like, uh, east and west, this part of the, of this part of the world. And we lived in what I call the, the most perfect cottage you could ever want. I always wanted to live in a country cottage, which uh, they often call the chocolate box cottages, where often on, I know, chocolate, which years ago, chocolate boxes had pictures of cottages on them, which most of you don't today, do they? Um, if you ever watched the film The Holiday with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet, that cottage on that winter film, that Christmas film, was more or less our cottage. I was 
I was just having the time of my life. I loved it. It was in the countryside. We had open fires. And it was just a very wonderful place to be. And then God said, I want you to move to Manchester. I'm sorry those who are from Manchester, but I was not delighted by that at all. And I was really quite upset, and God really had to deal with me. I mean, I cried a lot about having to move to Manchester. I knew it was right, though. And that was the thing. I knew in here that God had spoken. And that's the most important thing, that God had spoken. So the sacrifice of leaving that cottage, I knew I had to do it. And since then, we've had many blessings doing the things we're doing now. That's just one example. We could give many, but that, oh, that's... Um, just before I take any more from text, is there any questions anyone has from the floor? Um, just stick your hand up. I'm a, I know you might, but... Okay, cool. It's fine if not. Um, we, we... Sorry, oh, we've got one over there. So if you, have, if you have a call to a particular vocation or what was the second thing you said? Like a country, what do you do about it? Yeah. So I would say get as much training as you can. So for me, I felt a call to leadership when I was 16. Many of you guys are either have been 16 or will be 16 pretty soon. It's not probably average age here, I guess, is slightly under that. But many of you will be that. And what I did was I went on a training course, one of the first courses that Coastlands did in 1982, called the Year of Training, which is the same thing now that we call impact. So if you saw that training video, and it's impact, which is ideally aimed at young people who finished secondary education and are going on to university but want to give a gap year to God, or people who finish university but before they go into workplace they want to uh, have a gap year, then I'd encourage you to do that, to have a gap year, to do impact, to do one of those training courses if you feel called to leadership, which is what I felt called to do. But what I did to my church leaders, look, I'm feeling called to this. What should I do about it? And they started to use me. They started to get me to lead worship. They started to get me to speak. I mean, it's a very small little church, like 30 people. But they started to use giftings in order to help train me. And then I went on that training course. So I would just encourage you, if you feel called, if you feel called to a nation, well, go and visit that nation now. You might better go. Abby didn't think she could ever go and visit Africa, but actually she did. It, it made possible for her. Um, go and do some research. Go and look it up. Go, don't, you don't sit and do nothing and just wait, picking your nose. You actually do something about it. You, you get trained, you read, you, you look at things. If you feel called to a then start to talk to those people already who are in that career. Like, how did you do it? How did God train you? What did you do? What was your career path? If you feel called to church planting, there are church planters here. Hands up church planters here. Like, these are heroes of the faith. If you feel called to church plant, ask them. What do you do? How did you church plant? What do you, and some of them are leading church plants and some of them are on teams that help lead church plants. So I would say talk to adults, talk to family, talk to church leaders. But keep praying and asking God, Lord, keep this dream that you've put in my spirit, in my heart. Keep it alive. Show me what I should do. I mean, I read missionary books, leadership books, read stuff, investigate, find out what God's doing. But don't just, actually, God's part of the training process is you stepping out and stepping forward into things. Okay, and what about those of us um, who don't feel called? So if, there might be many of us here who, who just haven't got that calling in their life. They just sit around or... Okay, the truth is this. You have been called. You just don't know it yet. Like you, you are called. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, let's become a Christian today, this week, and then you'll be called. Because Jesus calls all who are his sheep. He calls every single one. So if you're a Christian, you are called by God, but you just don't know yet what you're called for. And part of your responsibility as a young person is to find out what it is that God's called, he's called you for. So I ask you and encourage you to pray this weekend, to talk to parents, youth leaders, church leaders, and say, come on, I want to find out what my calling God is. And often, sometimes it's you look at your own gift. So 
you'll find someone, so for me, I used to love public speaking, I, used to, I was an, in the school plays, in the school speech days and all that, so there's a bit of a clue about communication in my natural abilities, and uh, often she sings out, she sings in the spirit, she sings spiritual songs, but she loved music from a little child. Often there's a clue in what God has put, the physical frame that God's put you in. Sometimes people have a particular compassion. Sometimes they have an academic ability and they want to study to be a teacher. So sometimes there's a clue in your physical nature, but sometimes there's a clue in your spiritual life, in who you are in Christ, in your, the new person you are. The, you get born again, you become a new person, and with that new person, God gives new abilities and new things. And find out what they are. It's a, it's a wonder. You know, I envy you guys so much because you're at such a wonderful point of life. Everything's ahead of you. Very little is behind you. All the possibilities that you guys have in your day that we didn't have in ours. And the travel, the learning opportunities, the training opportunities are endless. And find out what God has for you and throw yourself into it. Find out what it is. There is something in your life. And you know, don't think church leadership is the top one. It's one of the things. But also being a great school teacher or a great judge or a policeman or a woman or, or um, a bus driver. It doesn't really, it's not to do with the social position in our day. It's to do with the impact that you can make on people's lives. So you can make a massive impact in an office you can make a massive impact in a school. You can make a massive impact in people's lives simply by living for And you don't put certain ones, oh, it's a lawyer or a doctor or an apostle or a church planter or, you know, I'm, I'm probably... No, actually, there's no gifts up here. They're just gifts. And they're all important. It's just as important to be a school teacher as it is to be a church planter. Hey, you could be a school teacher and a church planter. But it's just as important to be, you know, it's not one's better than the other. It's what is the calling of God on your life? What are you called to do? And I encourage you, talk to people, ask people. So ask your mum and dad if some of you are fortunate enough to have a mum and a dad and be, um, some of you have, have guardians, some of you are in, being adopted in families, some of you are being looked after by others. I understand that. But ask after you. Have there been, if they're Christians, have there been any prophetic words over my life? And you'll find that your parents will say, oh yeah, when you were born, this was prophesied. Oh, when, when we dedicated you, this happened. Or when, when we got married, God spoke to that we'd have children who'd do this, this or this. Find out your prophetic history. And believe God this weekend. If you ask God, God, give me a prophetic word this weekend. If you ask God with all your heart, if you ask God genuinely... I believe he'll give you one. Because every single one of you is called, you just don't know it yet. Jordan. Matthew. Right. Very, very good question. So, I don't know if you heard that question. If God calls you to do something that you naturally don't want to do, should you do it anyway? Well, the question is, is it God? So is it God's call? Because some people just feel guilt, actually, Matthew. Some people feel guilt. What I mean by that is... Um, no, not Matthew, are you? William. Why did I say Matthew? William. Um, some people feel guilt, William. So it's like, if I talk about hardship in Africa, people go, oh, I suppose the call of God is like, I better go to Africa, I'll probably marry some ugly person, I'll probably be killed and eaten by a lion. But God. No, the Bible says this, the will of God is good and pleasing and perfect. So the will of, if it's God's will, so Jonah disobeyed God and actually got into more trouble, got eaten by the whale, you know, all that. <clears throat> or fish, or whatever it was, yeah? <clears throat> yeah, so he got, he got eaten by something and spewed out by something, and it wasn't very nice. It was a fish. <laughs> Jonah and the fish. And he disobeyed God. Now the question is, we should obey God. So Anne and I, you know, we would have much rather chosen to live on the North York Moors and be happy there than move to Manchester or Salford. Hey, hey he lives there, eh? William does. But, but we obeyed God, and there's pleasure and joy in obeying God. So, God sometimes will ask you to do something hard, something tough, 
But actually, if you obey God like Anne said, actually there'll be, it'll be good, pleasing and perfect. It will be good. Now Jonah is a particularly difficult one because he disobeys God. doesn't seem to have a heart for the people that God wants to save. He wants God to judge them. And even when he preaches the gospel and they turn to God, he's miserable because he wants to judge. He's got a bad heart, Jonah. So hopefully we haven't got bad hearts. If you've got a good heart, listen to God. He, even if he asks you to do something difficult, for you, if you check it out, check it with those that are responsible for you, it will be good, pleasing and perfect to you. So even our move to Manchester, even our move to Manchester was good, pleasing and perfect to us and blessing to us, even though it was hard for us to do that. And God will never ask you to do something that he doesn't give you the ability to do or the resources to do and the joy to do it. So if you talk to people who are doing really difficult things for God, I mean, really tough situations in Africa and China, and actually they're full of joy. In fact, they're probably more joyful than most of us if you talk to them. They're doing difficult things, but God gives them joy and ability to do it. So God will never ask you to do something that will make you miserable, ask you to do some things that are difficult and hard sometimes, but ultimately will bring glory to him and joy to your life, because it's a joy to obey God. This can also be things to do with money. Now, money to you at your age most probably is just something good to have that you can buy things you like buying. But when you get a little bit older, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And as a teacher, I was very blessed to get quite huge promotions and earn quite a high salary. And... God just spoke to both of us about me giving up my teaching job to just work alongside and with Jeremy. I was earning twice what Jeremy was earning. And you all know, you've heard of mortgages, even though you're not paying one. Mortgages were heavy, hefty weighted in interest rates when, at, the, at this point in time when we were considering what we were doing. And it looked foolish. On paper, it looked totally foolish for us to do it. But we were in faith for me to give up my work it was a risk, but there was an adventure in it, and we thought, right, okay, God, you've spoken, therefore, we're saying, come on, you need to provide, and he did. I gave up my job, and we've never gone without since then. Like money, for some of you, will be another area of sacrifice, uh, things to give up, and God asks you to give things up sometimes. Great, thanks so much. Are you all right, guys all right for two more questions? Yeah. Perfect. So here's one. Slight different track. So if God chose me before he created the world, do I have any choice in it? Do I not have my own freedom to do what I want? <laughs> uh, Rob, Rob will answer this question. <laughs> I mean, that, who, uh, be honest with me. Come on. Who, who, who's brilliant? Who's brilliant question is that? Nobody's only out. That is a brilliant, brilliant question. I shouldn't embarrass you by uh, it's an anonymous phone, but that's a, and, and theologians and scholars and church leaders have been asking that question right down through the age. Asking a brilliant question that's been asked and asked again. God works with, I mean, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to give you a brilliant answer, but I'll tell you what I believe. God puts stuff in our hearts so that when he speaks, there's resonance. Do you know what resonance is? Do you know what a reverberation is when you get, like, have you ever seen glass reverberate? Or have you, ever, have you ever been in a concert and your whole chest reverberates? Like, you know what I'm talking about, reverberation? It's like sound waves touch you. It reverberates inside. It kind of feels right. Like, oh, I feel that. I can feel that inside. Well, God has put stuff in you and he calls you to respond. And it feels right. Feel, yeah, this is the call of God. Now, the truth is this, you can choose not to respond. You can say no, and you can walk away. All I would say to you is this, I think you can be a very unhappy Christian by walking away from the call of God. And that's what happened with Jonah, actually. He walked away originally, and God brought him back and had to speak to him. And there's many other biblical characters who walked away from the call of God, and God brought them back. Because God is sovereign and will give you another opportunity to respond, another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. But the truth is this, you never have to respond to God, you want God. 
So we get the great privilege of, of responding to God when he calls. But we're not automatons. It's not like pressing some button in our lives. But this is the great mystery. There was a very famous Baptist preacher 150 years ago called Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who led, in his day, the biggest church in the world. It happened to be in London, uh, Elephant and Castle. And he described the difference between man's choice and God's choice by two scriptures. One scripture says this, whosoever will may come. That's an old-fashioned version. And what it means is this, it's your choice. Anyone can come to God, anyone can do your choice. And it's in the Bible. Who, whoever, whosoever will may come, you can come. And he said there's another choice, there's another verse that says chosen before the world was formed. And he says, what, how do you bring those two scriptures together. And he says, just imagine an archway in heaven or as the entrance to heaven, entrance to eternal life, entrance to relationship with God, this big archway. And over this archway is a scripture verse. It says, whosoever will may come. I've got free choice. I can go through, I can choose to go through that or I can not choose to go through that. It's my choice. It feels like my choice. I can choose. Whosoever will may come. I can choose. Right, I'm going to choose God. I, I, I'm in control of my life. I'll choose God. I'll... I look back and it says called of God. <laughs> so you can't get away from it. God's called you and God's done it. And we don't understand that. It offends our mind. It also offends particularly our, the, 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 the prevailing current of the world today says this. You are the captain of your ship. You're in control of your life. You choose your destiny. Nobody tells you what to do. It's kind of like an idol in our world because God says we're his children. He's our heavenly father. He leads and guides us. He does tell us what to do. And goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of life. And even though I walk through valleys of death, I'm not going to fear because he's with me. And the Bible says something very different. It says he's with you. He's choosing you. He's calling you. And he's bringing you to himself. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. However, he does ask you to make choices. So you can choose, and my encouragement to you this weekend, God's brought you here for you to choose him. If you're not a Christian, God's brought you here to choose him. If you're a Christian who doesn't know the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God's brought you here to be filled with the Spirit. God's brought you here that he might speak to you this weekend. So so whoever asked that question, brilliant question. It's a, a mystery, but all I know is we make choices, but ultimately God chooses. Fantastic. So final question, guys. Um, a bit more personal. How can I deal with the fear of commitment in my faith? How can I deal with the fear of commitment in my faith? I mean, again, brilliant, brilliant question. Again, that's a very modern question. Um, we fear consequences in the 21st century more than people have ever done in previous lives because we have more choices and we're more aware of the consequences of our choices. But all I'd say is this. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And God loves you so perfectly that his choice will cast out fear and will bring peace and security. So I know what you're feeling. If, if I choose this, what will the consequences be? If I choose God, will I be persecuted? If I, will I have a difficult time? Probably. Christians usually do. Christians don't have an easy life. Christians, the wind blows on us quite a lot. The difficulties come. The challenges come. Yeah, I'm not promising you a life without challenges. In fact, Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. You'll have problems. You'll have diff- we'll hit troubles. We'll hit difficulties. But, and we'll walk through valleys that feel like shadows of death, Psalm 23. But what does it say? Don't fear. Don't fear. Why? Because I'm with you. And the difference this, we go through difficulties and trials as a response of following God. Yes. The difference for us is God is with us in them. So do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Famous three in Daniel, where they defy Nebuchadnezzar, and they get chucked into the fiery furnace. Boy, if you stand up for God, 
The world doesn't like your way. Sometimes you get persecution. I don't think you'll be literally thrown into a fiery furnace, but it kind of feels like it sometimes. That persecution at school, though. People who talk down, hey, you're a Christian, you believe the monkeys. That, you know, you, you're just crazy. You, you know, you're, you're just stupid people. You're just, yeah, you're just nuts. You, know, you believe that God created the world. No, we know that God did it through this. We know God is atheism, and it's just chance. And, you know, the world, how it speaks to us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved from the fiery furnace by God being with them. It said, there was one like the Son of God. Didn't we put three in? But now we're looking and there's one like the Son of God in the fiery furnace as well. God doesn't necessarily deliver you from difficulties, but he is with you in the difficulties, and that's the difference. So yeah, you might fear commitment. You might fear consequences. You might fear what will happen if I choose this. But I can promise you this. I'm not promising you won't have troubles, but I can promise to you this. God will be with you in the troubles. God will be winning you, keeping you, protecting you, looking after you, speaking to you, loving you, caring for you, catching you up in his arms through difficulties. So yeah, there are difficulties ahead. But if you choose him, he's with you. Jesus said this, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Thanks, Jordan. Good stuff. Thanks, Jeremy. And why don't we just show our appreciation for them? You know, I fully believe that um, many of you this morning would have heard from God. You would have heard God speaking to you. Um, and it's just the first morning, a whole weekend of this. And um, what I want to just encourage you with is, um, if God has spoken to you, we've got, as in a blue t-shirt, it's in the Amplified team, you've got youthful use plenty back at your camp or church use or parents. Um, use this weekend, use this opportunity to, to press into God, to pray about the stuff he's speaking to you about um, Grab any of you guys with blue t-shirts afterwards. We'll be very happy to pray for you.